Hello everyone and welcome to Decades on Dirt Roads. Uh, this is Catherine and Maddie will be joining me shortly, but I just wanted to introduce our guest Terry, who is a third generation uh, industry forester. His Both of his grandparents were loggers. Um, his dad owned a scaling business, uh, which you'll soon learn about if you're not sure what that is. Um, and Terry has a really interesting story about how he has balanced work and play and um, has really traveled the world. So welcome, Terry. Catherine talked about this like in our first podcast of there's an exodus of, of knowledge and experience and just hardy people leaving this industry yeah. and going and doing other things. And that's, I mean, that's just the cycle of life. People move on and you got to pass things on to the next generation. But there's such a difference in... In, in the work ethic and in the learning ethic. I mean, you spoke a little bit off mic about how, you know, school maybe wasn't for you, but look at, like, look at where you are now and yeah. what, you've, what you've acclimated to and how you've learned and how you've made a name for and yourself. And that's almost rare now that, so, yeah. to have a yeah. forester that didn't go to college. Even, like, me not being forestry specific. Right. Like, that's rare, you know, and so... Yeah. Yeah, and we're just trying to capture some of that. Just and we went to that conference uh, yesterday. I mean, Todd, and it was like everyone. There were some foresters that for worked for Warehouser that looked like they were twenty. Like right. All of Warehouser's foresters are right out of college. Our group's pretty young, and then in the back rows were like the fifty to sixty year old guys. Right. And there's not a lot of middle aged people like Todd you know right and so there's that huge gap and so we're trying to just basically fill that gap and like get everything we can out of people that we admire so like we did bill because i worked with him and he's he was super helpful and like teaching me a lot of stuff and like all these people with awesome life experiences like you've got (laughs) so well from that so um do you want to start off with like where you grew up or sure Sure. How, you, how you kind of got into forestry? Yeah. Um, yeah, I grew up in Carnation, Washington, just a small town. Uh, grew up in the house my mom grew up in, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And uh, yeah, my both my grandpas worked in the timber industry. They, they were, loggers? Or? Uh, my grandpa on my mom's side was a mill manager. He was always a mill guy, worked around mills. But when I knew him, he was the manager of the mill. Uh, a mill at Seattle Snohomish Mill in in, in uh, Snohomish, Washington, and then my um, grandpa on my dad's side was a logger, a faller, um, all, all the things, and then ended up working for Warehouser at the Plywood Mill in Snoqualmie, Washington. Yeah. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, third generation. My dad, my dad managed that mill in Snohomish as well after my grandpa did for a while. Yeah. When he was like in his twenties, and then uh, uh, then ran a scaling outfit when I was like in college. Is that like, like a private business? Yeah. Like they did contract scaling. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So my dad ran that when I was in high school, and then. Um, So he always had like work that was unskilled. I need somebody for like a month or something. So that was kind of how I got into it. I, um, after I graduated, I went to college for one quarter and, uh, 
at Bellevue Community. Nice. And nice. Um, it was really, like, it's funny how the, like that one thing, like, changed so much for me because I took a speech class, and there was a, a woman in the class that was a raft guide, and she her speech was about rafting, and I just went, like, Hello, give me some of that. Right, exactly. And um, so I paid for the ski. So I didn't pay for college. I bought a ski pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And just <laughs> skied like yeah, like the next hundred days of my life. So you bummed it. Totally, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ski bum bummed before it was a ski bum. Totally, yeah. Fantastic. And, uh, and in that, I met a guy who owned a raft company. And... Um, Let the networking begin. Yeah. And so I... Uh, I was working in my uncle's grocery store, working nights and like skiing all day and not sleeping. And, <laughs> and you were what, like 20? Yeah. yeah. Or even younger, like that was like 88, so I'm probably like 19. Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, just work like, yeah, working not very hard <laughs> at night and then just like playing all day long. Oh, and awesome. uh um, ended up going through guide training with those people. They were really great. That was the spring of 88 was that came down and rafted the Grand Ronde river with those people for guide training and that, and it seemed like I'd been down here. My dad had worked down here when we were in high school and, uh, but like the river just seems so wildernessy, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And now I just work on the edge of it <laughs> yeah all the time you drive that daily yeah yeah and that was such a like it i mean in 89 it was out there or 88 it was out there you yeah. know and uh um so yeah i did that and um yeah then just kept working outside and uh is this the rafting company did you meet steph your wife yeah i went through a few different rafting companies so i worked for that company for a year and they were like kind of known as like the old guys like i was the youngest by far yeah and um they're really good trainers and stuff but they weren't playing hard and uh there was another company that had like all the kids were over there so i went over there uh my second year and worked there for two years and uh like, again, just met people that I would just see the world with, you know. Um, that, I rafted that first year with them, and we rafted, the, we worked all summer on the rivers around Washington, like um, the Skycomish, mm -hmm. uh, the Sock, the Nooksack, the Wenatchee. Um, so, it, but it was just mostly weekend work, and then we would just play all day. We weren't working that hard. Were you into biking then? Yeah, I, yeah, I had bikes then. I had bikes my whole life. My folks were super into biking. Oh, okay. And um, so, yeah, I've always had bikes. And, uh, um, yeah, rafted with those guys. Did the, did the Grand Canyon oh, in that the was fall my next question. of that year. Yeah, that was just my second year. I, this is a kind of the side. One of the guys I did the Grand Canyon with just moved to the Grand. What? His wife got a job at the college, and he like texted me like so. a few weeks ago. Now we've had we've met for beers a couple of times, and he was like, I was like twenty, and he was twenty six or something when we did it. So oh really fun. Oh my god! Come full circle. That yeah, is crazy. Yeah, yeah. He's really fun to talk to, and. Yeah, he just he just gave me a bunch of pictures to scan, and we were laughing about that 
that he's the only one with pictures, and they were like from three disposable cameras that he had. <laughs> that he somehow that, didn't lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you click, you know, or click. Oh my you know. gosh. Yeah, too funny. Um, so wow, that is so special. Yeah, yeah. So that was like, I mean, that just changed everything, right? Like yeah. all of a sudden you're on a trip for 21 days, you know. You make friends quick when you're out out with people. Like that's how with fire, like you yeah. you roll for 14 days with the same people and you're like bonded for life. Like mm-hmm. you have their phone number, you can call them on whatever you need. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You get past surface level pretty quick. Oh I mean, yeah. You uh, run out of things to talk about within day one. You're like, all right, what's your mother's middle name? Right. <laughs> yeah. What's your life story? Right, right. And well, and you get to see people like pushed and like yes. stressed and in hard situations at their best at their worst oh yeah that's the, everything in between everything yes you get to see human nature for what it really is and for some of my friends who i know like are super into rafting and people have come back from that grand canyon trip it's you know and you can maybe speak to this more eloquently but you are in you're in a whole different world in a whole different tempo oh yeah where you have to you're isolated in like the most magical way and then infiltrating back into society and everyday oh, life. Oh yeah. It's like, Did you talk to Kate? Kate was like, I had such a hard time coming back to reality after right, that. Right. Yes. Totally. Yeah. I, yeah. We went from the King into Vegas. And that was just <laughs> it was horrible. You poor thing. Yeah. That's I was so just, much. And that was like Vegas in the nineties or like early nineties. It wasn't like today's Vegas would even be, wilder you know but yeah. man I that was, pass out. yeah I, <laughs> it, was, a heart attack. it was too much it was too much we didn't spend a lot of time <laughs> rather pretty quick um yeah so then wrapped it another year with those guys and after that grand canyon trip there were ski patrollers on that trip next hookup next hookup so then i just started um i started in the rental shop because i didn't have all my first aid stuff but as soon as i got my first aid stuff i was on uh on ski patrol and um yeah that was a really it was a it was kind of a good time to be there because uh there was just a big like new ski patrol director all a bunch of people were mad that they got rid of the old guy because it was such a good time and they brought Where, in the, what mountain stevens pass oh okay yeah so they brought in the hard ass and uh he was just an old logger, so I, we got along fine. I was fine with the guy. Yeah, and, um, and there's another connection. Yeah, but it, like, like the people running the show, we were all, like, 20 and 21, you know, and, like... <laughs> young guns. Young guns, and, yeah, doing avalanche control. Stevens Pass is an unbelievable place to do avalanche control, and, um, yeah, doing first aid all the time, and it was a, it was a really good time. It was a... And we all felt like... A lot of those guys were like rafters and stuff, so I don't know. There was like a, like a kind of more of like a team mindset. <laughs> yeah, and like just a really good like learning place. Like the other people were all firefighters. It was like the people that ski patrolled were firefighters and raft guides. That was like the group that I worked with. So all like people that like to work really hard and people who don't like to work really hard. <laughs> but are Somehow. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it worked out really good, but just like a really good bunch of people. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. huge to find community in that. And I mean, we, we all can probably speak to this in our own ways, but finding community in chaos and it's like, well, it's, it's, it's fun. Like that's why we're all here, but there's, 
you just you get to be around a different demographic of a person who's gritty. Yeah. But can enjoy being gritty. Like yeah. when you're in when you're in the Grand Canyon and when you're doing raft trips and you're able to appreciate all of like the magic around you, whether it be landscape or or the weather or whatever it may be, the people around you. Um, when you can enjoy that while also being able to make sure that the food's ready, make sure that yeah. food's ready. Like that's a that's a whole different aspect rafting in comparison to camping or hiking that you know you're on the go like you have to have those assignments yeah and um you know you're in charge of cleanup you're in charge of making breakfast you're in charge of gear checks you're in charge of all these things right and so having that that experience in a team it's it's just so much more organic when you maybe you're in the snow now and you're not maybe on a lake or you're not rafting or you're not fighting fire but you all can assimilate into those roles. Right. And delegate that leadership accordingly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, firefighters are like that as well, too. Like, people who just work as a team like that, there's so much good learning that goes on, on, like, how to fit into a team, you know, how to to not drag the team down. And, um, yeah, so... Yes, yeah, so it's just super lucky the people that I worked around. Oh, Scott and I were just talking about this, the guy that I did the canyon with. At that time, like, um, some of the people that we worked, like, that were trip leaders every trip were, like, Judy Peck, who was, like, five foot four, just ripped. And <laughs> she was just the badass. And then Luca, she's still a badass. And, um, yeah, it was just like a... It, like, it didn't matter who you worked for. It was just, like, if Luca was there, she was the best guy on the river that day, yeah. you know? And uh, it didn't matter that she was a woman or or who it was. Like, it was just the best person yep. is the trip leader. And you can just feel that walking in. Yeah. It's like, everyone just kind of knows. Everyone just knows. Yeah, you watch, the, you watch them work. You watch them do their thing. And, uh, yeah, it was a, just a great – it was a great bunch of people. That was a, that was a really good bunch of people, though whole River Riders experience in Stevens Pass, people that I worked with then. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then after that, I went to Colorado and worked on the Arkansas. Oh, wow. And that's like, um, that's just meat rafting. You're just, like, every day you get a raft full of people, you know. And just, Push them through. Just meet them at the put-in and get them on the boat and take them down the river. Meat you know? rafting, that's kind of funny. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah, you're just, and you're just in line behind the other you know much more transactional yeah versus experienced yeah yeah but really i mean it was a good place to work you got to be in your boat a lot and run people and yeah you know experience comes with reps and yeah yeah and those i mean those guys ended up uh some of those guys i ended up like going to south america with and um yeah some more really great people to to like meet up with yeah a solid foundational group yeah so then when i was working in colorado that was when um, I would work for my dad a bit more. So now I'm like, if, like I always did kind of like non-skill stuff for him, but I was learning to scale when I wasn't working. Can you describe what that is? Uh, scaling is measuring logs. So you're figuring out the volume of logs for payment. Got As it. they've already been cut. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they're logs. They're not trees. Like you're in a log yard most of the time. Uh, I mean, I've done it in other places, but a lot yard most of the time. So, um, so I came back that year from Colorado and worked in Washington for my dad all till ski season started. 
And um, it would be just bad, you know. My dad always just wanted me to work, and I'd just be like, it's easy. <laughs> yeah. There's snow you know, in the high I, I gotta get out. My friends got a raft trip going. <laughs> I can't work anymore. And uh, yeah. I've, I've heard stories about you and shoes. Huh. Or lack of shoes. Huh. Didn't Todd told me something, but hmm. is there is there any truth I'm to this? I have to think about that a little bit. New shoes. Huh. Hmm. I don't know. I my folks still give me a bad time because like in the midst of all that, one time I just was mad at my dad and I told him works for jerks. <laughs> and there's hardly hardly a holiday goes by where somebody doesn't remind me. Of, uh, <laughs> One That's the, a slogan. One of the stupidest things I've said. I might take that. Yeah. Yeah. I might take that. Works for jerks, Dad. Works for yeah. Storm out of the house. Yeah. I could totally see that. Yeah. So, That's iconic. Totally. They, they think it's... Did, did you have like a Rasta hat on? And... Probably. <laughs> probably have my Bob Marley shirt on. Yeah. Yeah. Back the oh. truck and ready for yeah, you. I mean, I had like a 14-foot camper, and I could park it at Stevens Pass and live in a camper all winter long. And, I mean, what else did I need, you know? <laughs> Nothing. A box of mac and cheese and, <laughs> and uh, be able to ski all day. So, yeah, so then worked, yeah, worked that year at Stevens. And um, let's see. Man, and then went back to Colorado after that ski season, and then worked part of that, and then went to Alaska for the first time for my dad. What yeah. part of Alaska? To Valdez, which was, um, that was, I got there in July, and I stayed till March. Wow. And um, had some buddies come up and stay with me, and we just skied. What part of Alaska is that? Valdez is like, it's, they kind of call it southeast, but it's almost like, around the corner you know if mm-hmm. you go up from Juno and you round it like uh it's not as far west as Homer mm-hmm. but so is that pretty remote then is it a logging town or no it's a it's a town of about um three or four thousand maybe okay maybe, so pretty small yeah pretty but small like a enterprise-ish yeah yeah, it's where the pipeline dumps out. Mm. You know, there's a big port right there. So across the bay from Valdez is where the Alaska pipeline fills tankers mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, yeah, it's super mountainous. Like I just, I just read like the last few days they've gotten like 44 inches of snow in 48 hours. Like it dumps. 40, 44 feet. 44 inches. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I, the biggest stop of the year. You had too much caffeine before we came here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 44 feet in 48 hours, or 44 inches. In yep, now you're, now you're saying feet. <laughs> so it was a place, so, like, my buddies came up, and we just backcountry skied. It was unbelievable. We skied every day, just what was the gear cool. like back then? Oh, it was horrible. It was like... <laughs> what do you have for skins? Uh, I, skins were good. Yeah. Skins were about the same, but I was on like... I mean... I, I had a pair skinny of, skis. Totally. I had a pair of two Montes that at the time they were like big tele skis. Mm-hmm. Um, leather boots with uh, <laughs> like... With a buckle. They had metal... Or they had plastic around the ankle that you buckled, but the bottoms were just leather. So it's like a combo of like... 
cross country stuff. Totally, yeah. And oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what was what was avalanche gear back then? We had transceivers and shovels. Okay. And the two guys that I was with, we we skied all winter, like nearly every day, and we never kicked off an avalanche. Wow. We would like we were careful skiers, thoughtful about it. And there was another group that was living there. They were from like uh, Wyoming and Montana. And those guys were like kicking them off all the time. And like on just, purpose or just like not on re- accident? Reckless. Yeah, just reckless skiing. That's what we thought. Yeah. You know? And um, yeah, it was it was wild times because you're just on your own every day, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's funny that the gear hasn't changed that much, really. I mean, oh. like the skis have, but the the transceiver, the right. probe, and the shovel are just like yeah. That's what we. That's what we pack. Yeah, know? yeah, and um, we yeah we skied all, all winter long there until uh, March, and then came home, and then it was pretty much raft season again. Yeah, and rinse and repeat. Yeah, where did I go that year? Oh, that was the year. That was I'm. That, I met Steph that year. I worked for. Chris Jonason was a woman that had a raft company. I worked for her, and uh, Steph had met Chris on a raft trip in California and was like, why don't you be a raft guide for me? And she's like, okay. And so she moved to Washington and stayed with Chris and got trained to be a raft guide. And um, yeah. What's the story there? <laughs> Love at first sight? Uh... <laughs> Did she hate you at first? <laughs> uh, I mean, I should we should we call her in to tell yeah, her yeah. side? Yeah. No, it's a good story. I like. I mean, it's like rapping. There's like one woman to like eight yep. guys, right? See one. Yeah. Right. So won the fight. So I was just the only one who didn't like butter. I just. Oh, you're actually respectful. I just. Didn't just ask tear, her out. Terry doing Terry stuff. Yeah, I was just doing what I was doing and didn't bugger. And uh, finally, she like got in my truck one afternoon and asked me out. So you're like, oh like, hey. Yeah, yeah. She also asked me to marry her too. So Steph's been a driver. Got it. Good yeah. for she her. She's a woman who knows what she wants. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's we respect that. She's getting what she yeah. wants. Yeah. Well, Terry's just along yeah. for the ride. Yeah. Like, oh. oh, cool. Well, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Did she propose to you with your ring, or is she like, hey, will you marry me? Here's the ring that you're giving me. Uh, she had her grandma's ring, so yeah, Uh, it was like... Wow. Me to me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I just need you in the transition. (laughs) Right. Right. Another human. I have all the paperwork I have it all planned out. You just need to be present. Sign this line right here. What a gal. Yeah. Good on her. Yeah, it worked out good. Um, yeah, so came back from Alaska, worked for Chris for a couple years. They're just guiding off and on, maybe not a full two years there, because that was when uh, one of the guys that I worked with, his dad was Ecuadorian, and he went down there with another, like a big company, River Odysseys West. They're, they run the Grand Canyon, they run the Middle Fork mm-hmm. of the Salmon, they're, they're a big one. Like, if you just Googled whitewater rafting, Number they, one. they would come up, yeah. So they were trying to do some international stuff, and he went down there to kind of scope it out. And um, he spent a year scoping it out down there, and they wanted to be closer to, like, Quito and the bigger cities Mm -hmm. and stuff. But he didn't – and there's 
okay white water there, but they're also dirty because, you know, there's the cities and stuff. Yeah. And, well, this is, Keto runs west, or runs to the west, so oh, it drains okay. into the Pacific. Okay. You have to go just over the other side to drain into the Amazon. Gotcha. Okay. So I thought it was in the Amazon that you were doing. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were. So he ended up, so they wanted to be there, and he didn't want to be there. He found these great, like, pristine rivers out that ran into the Amazon, but were at a high enough elevation, like, there's no snakes, there's no spiders, there's... How do you go about, and maybe this is a rookie question, but how do you go about, like, finding all that stuff? Like, you're just... Weren't you mapping it? He generated most of the mapping. He got, him and the guys that were down there with him first got most of the first descents, like, the first people to ever kayak those rivers. And then when I was there, we were kind of the second ones. We were the ones doing them with water in it. Mm -hmm. Like they did some low water runs and mm -hmm. kind of figured out where to put in, where to take out and that. And then we were like, yeah, some of them we were like running the first time, like full of water, you know? Wow. <clears throat> and um, yeah, it was amazing. That was... I mean, it was the Wild West. And like, that was in Ecuador. That was in Ecuador, yeah. Yeah, so he ended up, the rivers that he wanted to run were out in Tana, which run into the Amazon. So they're running east. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's still like a big rafting. He ended up selling that to some local Ecuadorians mm -hmm. that oh. still run it. Like, I was just watching some other YouTube videos. Oh, yeah, you YouTube junkie. Yeah, and so I was, <laughs> I was like... Yeah, those guys are just launching these waterfalls that we just were like, there's no way. <laughs> it's just like, like, these Ecuadorian kids now are launching them. They're like 15 and 16, you <laughs> know? You're like, play. Yeah, you're like, oh my God. And uh, yeah, so it's pretty cool. So yeah, we spent uh, like just about three months down there and uh, kind of the water season, you know, where everything was full and... Um, Man, just do you have any like near misses or crazy stories oh, from that? Like, like our third or fourth day in Tana, uh, we were gonna go run uh, it's the Misawayi River, and um, it had only been done a handful of times. Janeiro couldn't go, that was my Ecuadorian friend, and he was the one that had been down it. So, we just met this guy from Colorado, and he's like, I'm a great paddler, and my friend Chris. <laughs> So it was me and my friend Chris and this guy that we don't know. Oh, my God. And uh, right before we got there, we were boating some hard white water in Washington, and Chris took a beat and just, like, swam for his life, you know, kind of day. And oh, jeez. It's pretty gnarly. And so he still hadn't really – so then we just show up in Ecuador. He hadn't really recovered from the oh, beating God. that he took. <coughs> and we're just, like, diving right into it. So we dive right into it, and we're floating down the water super high. So are you in rafts or kayaks? Kayaks, okay. yeah. Yeah, whitewater kayaks. And um, the water's super high. We float down, and there's another... But the water's clear, so it feels okay. We get down, and uh, the Hatanyaku River comes into it, and it is muddy and just like a torrent coming in. Like, it is flooding. But now we're in this, like, canyon, you know, and, like, going down into it, and uh, there's a 35-foot waterfall in there that we know we have to portage, but none of us have been there before, right? So we don't know when it's coming. You have any maps or anything like that at all? We have, like, my buddy Janair giving us the directions, you know, 
But it doesn't really look like what he's saying because the water's so high. Yeah, so all your points of reference are probably... Yeah, because he's like, yeah, there's two big rapids and then there's this waterfall. But it just seemed like there was big rapid after big rapid. So you're like, there's more than two. Yeah. (laughs) In the free fall. (laughs) So before we... So we actually get to the first of the big rapids. And both Chris and this guy from Colorado swim. We lose boats. I chased... Him. I end up chasing down. We end up with one with two kayaks, my kayak and one of theirs. They both lose their paddles. <laughs> and now we we're still above this waterfall, but we like the hard white water is all below the waterfall. And um, we're just looking at canyons going up, but we can see way on top of the canyon like a little shelter. And we're like, must be a trail up there. So we start walking out and um, climbing up there. And uh, Chris and I didn't know, but the guy we were with was a diabetic and he had the insulin pump. And when he swam, he broke his needle off. So he's not getting any insulin. And Like bad diabetes? Yeah, like pretty bad. <laughs> so he got all our food and water. And we didn't have that much because we only had like... It was a day trip. Yeah, it was a day trip. I had like my Nalgene and a snack and... That was in my boat, and then yeah. we had the other boat, and I think we had a Nalgene out of that. And, um, yeah, so, like, we spent the next, like, eight hours, like, walking out of the jungle, and this guy's, like, slowly, like, getting slower and stuff, and right about dark, we, like, come into a little village, and uh, I haven't had really had any water, because this guy's been getting all our water. Does anyone place. speak Spanish? No, and these people don't even speak Spanish that we're going into. They just speak the native Indian language. And so, this lady just comes out of a hut, and I just, like, grab this bowl of water that she's collected from her roots, and I'm just like, And, uh, I, I mean, I think it's ruined me for my life. It's like... That's why you never get sick in Mexico, though, probably. It's probably why I don't get sick in Mexico, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that was, I mean, so we're worked. And uh, the guy... Where'd you leave the rafts? We just buried the kayaks underneath some leaves, left them alongside the river. And uh, kind of pulled them up, you know, so they wouldn't get floated away. And, um... Yeah, so then we're in this village, but we have to get to the other side of the river. It's flooding now. It's the same river that we were on, you know, we yeah. just walked all the way up it. It's flooding, but that this is the only lady in town. It's like Friday night, and everybody else is over in the main town where you can get to with a taxi. Yeah. And uh, so we just steal one of their canoes, and uh, it's just like an old wood dugout canoe. Yeah, exactly. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'll bring it back. We'll bring it, yeah. We're just tying it up to the other side. So we paddle it over there, get back, and, you know, finally get back, get this guy. The, really the only person we know in town. We don't even know the guy. We've only been in this town for three days. But there's a guy who speaks a little bit of English, and he runs this vegetarian restaurant. So we go find him, because it's after dark, and... He knows somebody that runs a pharmacy so this guy can get his insulin. Yeah, you gotta start networking pretty hard here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. So like it ended up like being all right and the guy was fine and I mean he did not kayak with us anymore. He might need to You're like, and you're next. Yeah, he's like he's like, I'm done with you guys. You're a bit of a liability. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So the two kayaks that were left there, um 
really great kayak actor from like Washington DC is traveling through. So him and I get inner tubes and we just float down to the kayaks and then we paddle those two kayaks out. But the locals where that river dumps out and where you can catch the bus at, they found the kayak. And this is like, I mean, this is 94, 95, something like that. And they had like spent the time to figure out how much that kayak was new in America and wanted us to pay them that. No. And they're like, they're in the middle of the jungle. Like, you're just like, how? Do you even have dial up at that point? No, no. Like, we don't even know how, like, they figured this out. Like, somebody got a hold of somebody. Because they were like, two ninety-seven. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, they're like, this is what this cost in America. This is what, if you want it back, this is what it costs. Please. Did you yeah. buy it back? No, for like 50 bucks. Oh, you haggled them down? Yeah, we haggled them down to 50 bucks. I mean, I was like... Yeah, dude, you've been worked the past couple of days. Yeah. Like, I'm really looking to take yeah. a hit like this, man. Yeah. And, and like 50 bucks, like, it's like a month's wage, you know, out there. Yeah, 50 or, bucks is still a lot. I mean, it doesn't get you far anymore, but that's yeah. a lot of money yeah. still. Yeah. So that was, I mean, that's how it started right there. My buddy Chris, he doesn't have the same experience I had in Ecuador because he just, like, kept getting beat. Like, oh. He swam oh. so much. He's just like. Oh, poor dude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just the way kayaking goes. I'm like, you just lose your confidence and... Keep bailing. You just keep bailing, yeah. Instead of rolling up, like, you, you know, you keep pushing out of your boat. Or you miss your roll once, then you push out or something like that. So he just had a... Blech, just a horrible time. Yikes. Yeah. That is a sport that I will just only observe. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is impressive. I do not know. Yeah. That's the negative for me. So no snakes, no wildlife... Really? Yeah, nothing really too bad, you yeah. know, right there, because you're like you're you pretty you're pretty far north, like in elevation, right? Yeah, you're pretty high up in elevation, so you, like you're paddling with sleeves, and sometimes you see people in Ecuador paddling in like just a light jacket, and they're down further mm-hmm. a little bit than us in warmer water. We, it was kind of cold sometimes. What's you know? that? What's that elevation like in comparison to? I I mean the Andes are like I mean Quito's. Is Keto like seven thousand feet? I think, and so I think I think we were paddling between like kind of four and seven in yeah. there. So pretty comparable to right. Yeah. Over here. Yeah. So kind of high elevation and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was. Uh, That's wild. Yeah. That was. Is that fun. the worst thing that happened down there? Um. That was kind of the biggest beating that we had. Yeah, the rest of it was pretty good. We had some amazing trips, and um, yeah, we ran. He ran raft trips down there, so we were running uh, a lot of Europeans, some Americans on uh, rafting trips. That was only a couple days a week, and then the rest of the time we'd kayak. Yeah, Keto is 93.50. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we're a little below that. We're like probably 7,000. Dang, that's pretty high. Yeah. What was going on in Ecuador in the 90s? Wasn't it like big drug country? Yeah. There was, this was some of the crazy stuff, was like, we met like U.S. Army Special Forces dudes just out in the jungle of Ecuador. Oh. And they were like. (laughs) Oh, hey, dude. Because you're like. Were they in like ghillie suits? No, no. They were like, um, they were just like hanging out in the town. Oh, okay. You know, but they were like way north up 
pretty close to the Columbia border, so they're keeping an eye on the Columbians for sure. And all these guys were like, yeah, I'd been, you know, in the 90s at that time, they had been like to the hot spots of the world. You're like, oh. They've oh, been seasoned. Yeah, you aren't just the uh, Buck Bradens out here. <laughs> you are not JV, you got yeah, it. Right. I only have my best yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, those guys were, so we got to know those guys. We took them rafting, they were, well, I mean, they were just out there. <laughs> We've got to, at some point, they're kind of adrenaline junkies. Yeah, to be totally. Out, out there. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably, I mean, it, we just had some great adventures, you know. I, um, yeah. That's crazy. So then, coming back to the real world, if you will, America, like everyday life, you, talk, you talked a little bit about that Grand Ronde trip, and I know so many people who weren't raised in this area um, you know, kind of a formative outdoor experience when they're, when they're coming to the Minum for the first time, yeah. or they're getting to see the Grand Ronde for the first time. So w- at what point you said you, s- you went on the Grand Ronde trip pretty early in your rafting career. Yeah. How did that, like, was that something that always brought you back to this place? I mean, obviously you live here now and work here. Um, yeah, yeah. Also at that time, like we were coming down here in backcountry skiing the huts out of like Wing Ridge. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize those have been going on for so long. For a long time. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I never planned to live. I was never like, you're not really a planner though. (laughs) More like a dumb luck. Um, the step planner or your wife, what's her name? Uh, step. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, surprising. I'm more the planner, but I plan by dumb luck. So. <laughs> Over the wind blows. Right. Things are going to work out. For yeah. Me. Things are going to work out just fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I just knew down here. I knew I liked it. Um, and um, so when I finally, like, stopped living in a camper or, like, just ski patrolling and raft guiding... Um, I worked in Pendleton, uh, or Pilot Rock, both okay. of the mills over there. How so old were you then? Oh, that's like 2000, so... Oh my god, that's not that long 30. ago. 30? Yeah, I was... No. Let's see, I'm 54 now. Yeah, so I was like 30, right around 30. So you just lived your <clears throat> 20s to the fullest. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy <laughs> to have gone from Ecuador and all of Washington, Oregon, Colorado. Alaska. To, to Bam, Pendleton. Yeah. And yeah. Rock. My dad always had a job there. And it was hard for him to get somebody to go there. It was, he always. So you were still working for your dad? Yeah. The contract he, just in for that. Were you working for a contract for the mill? Working for my dad and then they contracted with my dad's company. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. Like, up until, like, I'd worked a lot of places. I'd been to Alaska two other times. I worked in California for a while, Montana, Idaho, Washington, Oregon. All within the logging? All, all scaling logs. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So if you're a scaler, you don't have to do the forestry certification to work in California, like how they have that. Right, right. Because we, we were third parties, so. So it didn't, you didn't need any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I just learned about that licensing that California does for their foresters, and it sounds intense. Yeah. It's, a, it's like equivalent to the CPA to be a forester. What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think Maine and, like, New England is a bit like that as well, yeah. too, where it's not easy to get. 
what is the purpose of having it that? You're just like a certified. I don't really know. I like I literally just learned about it, and when I was giving a tour to those like, uh, what's that ag bank that? Anyways, I was giving a tour to one of our clients' banks, and they were they work for SPI down in California and they were telling me about their certification they need like 2,000 hours as like an apprentice forester and then they take their tests which is very extensive so you right. can't be a forester in California without having a really forestry background like wow it's right. really intense right yeah yeah no one's much the same like that where I think you could just be a technician mm-hmm. like that but yeah like, like how call yourself a forester and be like a licensed state licensed forester wow yeah it's pretty crazy yeah idaho does that for scalers like you have to take it the scaling test yeah you have to take a scaling test in idaho but they're the only north place in the northwest that you have to do that the rest the rest they just rely on it being a third party right it's not the buyer or the seller like you're supposed to be independent of those i thought now the mills have scalers but that's a that's not quite the same thing yeah so even here these mill scalers work for a different company the mill contracts with that company for them to scale okay for some reason i thought austin you know like austin does work for the mill yeah so i i thought he was a scaler but he's no he's the yard manager right yeah Yeah, that's okay okay yeah yeah, yeah, I didn't fully understand that. Yeah, so in Idaho, you have to be a licensed scaler, but then they are paid by the mill. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit different system mm-hmm. than the rest of the West. So IFG, IFG you will have a scaler. Scalers that are paid by them. Mm-hmm. Their check says IFG on them. Gotcha. You know? And if you're here, it'll say Northwest Log Scalers. Okay. Or it could say Columbia River if you're somewhere else. Or so do they bring them in or do they live here? Uh, they probably live here. Yeah, I think they all live here. Okay. Um, so it's consistent enough. Yeah, yeah. What yeah, the, all these guys work almost year-round. They'll be off, like, a few months in the spring. Like, break up? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad, had, oh, he had those contracts everywhere. So I just did it, like, I worked two months and then rap guide or ski troll or whatever, you yeah. know. And then, um, uh, then I took that job in Pendleton, and that was really my first, like, Stay here. <laughs> Full-time job. Uh, for, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Steph was, I moved there. Steph was back east going to school for a year. And, um, yeah, I was just, I was just dirtbagging it, living in a camper. Like, I just didn't care. You yeah. know, I was on my own and uh, going kayaking, driving to meet my buddies every weekend and stuff. And. Steph comes back and like I just have literally a camper like uh, she put her foot down yeah, real quick I bet like, yeah she's like this is not yeah she she like spent a year going to school at Carpalo it's like a they teach people to teach yoga oh oh stuff yeah I didn't know she did yoga That's yeah cool. yeah so she was she so she just spent a year like blissing out <laughs> fine you know yeah and then just like is in Pendleton. <laughs> with all these cowboys. Dirty, right, you know, with cowboys in a oh, dirty no. camper. Like, oh, no. Going like, boy, I've made it. <laughs> that is a culture shock. Yeah. Oh, poor thing. Yeah. So, 
Uh, got my shit together, I guess, enough. Did you guys buy a house or do a rental at first? Uh, first we bought a camp trailer. Because we weren't sure, so yes, we went bigger. We went bigger, more comfortable. Treat yourself. Treat ourselves, yeah. (laughs) Then we bought a house, yeah. Yeah. And that was when she asked me to marry her, because once you buy a house together, it takes lawyers anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Might as well. Might as well be married. Is that how she convinced you? That's it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was the moment. Yeah. So I guess I can do this. Yeah, and I was kind of, I always felt like I was like on the path to like just taking over from my dad, kind of. Mm -hmm. Like the guy I worked for, I was, eventually I was a check scaler, so then I wasn't working at that mill. I was driving around to all the mills and checking people. and, um, And then that's how I met Joe and Chuck was they hired me. Is that Boise then? Yeah, no, it was Force Capital. It was right when Force Capital bought the land from Boise. Gotcha. And um, so that's 2006, I think, mm-hmm. summer of 2006. I met those guys, and they had me do a uh, like a log rollout for the loggers at Norgard at the cabin. So oh. They, so what does that mean? The guy was logging close to there, so he hauled about 30 whole trees into the Norgard field there. And then I just went and scaled them and tried to figure out the best way to cut them to make the most money. Gotcha. So and you know where Norgard is? Nope. So if you're going up to Troy, you're going to like okay. promise, after you pass promise 12 by that ranch, yep. you turn left and go down the Grossman Road and then it turns into the Norgard Road. Okay. So yeah, up, up. North yeah. Of yeah. So up on the property that we both work on now. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So they just contracted me to go out there and do that. And um, right after that, they had a job for a log quality guy. Huh. And I was just like, this, this has me written all over it, you know, just a bullshitter. Like, yeah. that's me. I'm <laughs> in for this. And I'd really, like, I, I don't know if you've met Joe, who we both work for now, but I, I really liked him, like, right off the bat. He's super likable right yeah. off the bat, you know. And you guys have both had that orange, and you yeah, yeah, very, we're, very... We're both, like, flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah. <laughs> They're the only ones in the office. Everyone else is very, um, type, more, more type A, more by the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, where does this, where do these two worlds collide here? No, they, they yeah. don't. <laughs> I mean, yeah... I'm super lucky I work for another orange. Yeah. Uh, it makes my life a lot easier. But, um, yeah, so met those guys and then just interviewed. And John Mornez was Joe then, and Joe was kind of the second in charge. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, condom ended up giving me a job. I feel like you can make a connection with anyone, though. Like, we were. Ta- <laughs> I was actually talking about you yesterday to some of the other foresters when we went to that meeting. I was, like, trying to describe you to someone. And I was like... Terry, Terry can make friends with the wall. Yeah. He, if yeah. you do something, oh, he's got a connection to it somehow. You surf, oh, I just watched this awesome surfing video right. on YouTube. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think that's like being a rap guy, though. Yeah. Like you have six people sit down, you know, and you just got to get to know people like that, you yeah. know, and make them comfortable and uh, show them a good time. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's a good skill. That's awesome. Yeah. So then, I mean, you've talked a little bit about the transition of, I want to call it sea legs, but you weren't really on the sea. You were like, whatever, right water rafting. And then now, like, you're in the forest and you're doing all these different forestry things. 
that you were raised in and being raised at a mill, can you kind of speak to to that as you've transitioned throughout your career of like, oh, I'm kind of returning to my roots. I had this like whole crazy awesome 20s. You're kind of settled down. I feel like you're not really the type to ever fully settle down. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, speak to that maybe. Um, yeah, I, uh, I mean, like I never really planned necessarily to be in the timber industry, but it was always just like easy for me, yeah. you know, and I liked it. I liked the people that you work with and, um, <clears throat> so yeah, I just kind of got pulled into it and just kept, you know, having success, and so, you know, that kind of always eases you along. It does help along the way. Yeah, yeah, so having success and being good at what you do and liking what you do, and, um, yeah, I think that, um, I like being part of, like, third generation, you know, forest industry. I like, I like the forest industry in general. I think it's, um, uh like it's just good honest like this is what we do we we grow these trees and once they're big enough we'll sell them to you and you can make boards and yeah um yeah i I like the whole process of it the personability of that yeah is pretty is pretty neat because there's so many there's so many other industries i mean i know we've talked about it a little bit but you just don't you don't find the quality of people and we go back to earlier in our conversation of you just see you see people get to be gritty in the outdoors and you when you can find gritty people who can equally smile and laugh and be like oh my gosh that was kind of a scary moment but we're on the other side of it yeah that um yeah that coincides to i mean the forest industry because if you're not working you're not making money and so the tradition and the and the honest work of that is it's there's no gray area it's it's fact you're either working or you're not working yeah and you get people like freaking what's his ray the yeah he's in a walk like cane getting climb somehow climbing in this machine still working just yeah loves to be out there yeah yeah i'm amazed at the guys that are like i mean i know these guys have enough money to be retired yeah they have no reason to go out there other than they just love to go out there mm-hmm. you know and they like to um they're good at what they do, so that, you know... That plays into that it. That plays yeah. into it. They spend a lifetime getting good at it, so why not keep doing it, I guess. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're like, that's not going to be me. Right, that's not me, but that's, yeah. You're yeah. like, 49 hours and right. 50 days until... <laughs> yeah. Totally, yeah. Yeah. No, I was just talking to my vet about that, because she's could be retiring, you know, and she's just like... Some people, you know, like what they do and they get good at what they do and they just want to keep doing it. I'm like, oh, okay, it doesn't sound like you're retired. Yeah, I'm like, oh, got it. We'll be here like, forever. Good, I don't need to look for a vet. Perfect. That's easier for me, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I like I like it. I, And I like that mostly it stays right here. Like, it's such a... I'm not huge like America, you know. I'm not screaming USA at every fall game. But I think I'm that bad. Yeah. I do I do like that like we use the wood in America. Like yeah. it's our clear cut. Mm-hmm. It's our wood. You see it right there. It's, yeah. In the stores. Yeah. 
like everything is right there. I like that part of it. Close circle know? kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole circle. It's close kind of, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And, um, I don't, Chileans shouldn't have to look at our clear cuts, you know, so I can have a wood wall or whatever. Yeah. 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 So I actually never thought about it like that. That's kind yeah. of cool. Yeah. It's a different level of instant gratification that. Like, what advice do you have for people like me that are just starting in the industry that have our whole careers to go? Mm. Like, you know, there's a lot of people that we work with that are just getting into this industry. And, right. Uh, what do you want to, what do you want to see out of I it? Mean, like, what advice do you have? Advice. It doesn't have to be uh, career advice, yeah. but like, you know, anything like yeah. that you'd want to put on the next generation. Um, yeah, I... I mean, part of it is don't let them take you too far down. You know? <laughs> like, they'll get all they can out of you, no matter what, and don't let them. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believer in setting a tone and what you are willing to do, you know. And um, yeah, I think it's you know. The job is like a transactional thing to me. Like I'm only there for the money. I like I would not do that. I would I would ride my bike or I would go skiing. You know, if someone would pay me to do that, that's what I would do. <laughs> go pro at fifty four. That's right. Yeah, I'm turning pro at fifty four. Exactly. Yeah, swole guy. Here he comes. Retirement is a success. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm just more like that. I like live life don't let don't let don't, your job determine. don't let work to be the only thing you know like it's nice to have work that you enjoy and i've always enjoyed it and liked what i do but it's it's not your whole it's life. not my passion yeah. yeah it's not the thing that i'm gonna love the yeah, most yeah there's the perks of you get to go outside you get to interact with people you like yeah and you make the most of that but it's not it's not you're not gonna do it till you're 80 right yeah it's not my end all yeah you know? yeah that's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Terry. Yeah, yeah thank you, guys. <laughs> we'll let you go awesome. pick your dog up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that Mary is on, on the call. Man, she's on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. I, I hadn't thought about some of that stuff in a long time. That, boy. Mission accomplished. Yeah. I'm going to take you down memory lane. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Soak up the good, man. Right on. Thanks, Terry. Yeah, thank you, guys. That's fun. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast and sticking with us while we figure out how to edit and record this pod. If you want to help us out, like, subscribe, give us a comment and a review. That would really help us out. And if you have a story that you want to share or have someone to suggest that we interview, uh, shoot us an email at decadesondirtroads at gmail.com. The contact info is also in our show notes.